0: Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-Commerce Coaching and Business Strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees.
1: So um, so speaking of, of products and bringing something you need to market and all of that, Stephen... I would definitely love to hear um, what your favorite marketing channels are for your products because your products have been in some pretty cool marketing channels. You've gotten some pretty cool recognition.
2: Yeah, I would say my, I've had a couple of different products on Good Morning America, uh, magazines, press releases and so on, all the old school stuff. I would say absolutely my favorite has been in the gift bags at the oscars that's been a lot of fun um we have products that you would never expect to be written up in in uh, paris vogue to be written up in paris vogue um so uh just to see you know kathy lee and hoda talking about it and stuff like that so i would definitely say my my most fun has been the gift so
1: how? I mean, give us give us a ninja marketing trick. Then, how do our per how do our listeners get their products recognized on larger platforms like that? Do you have any secrets for us? Any advice?
2: Ask. You're not. Nothing's going to happen unless you ask. Uh, the weight loss product that I mentioned about that I started that I started selling on Amazon in two thousand six, and we did um. Walgreens and others. Uh, I sent it out to bloggers. I just sent samples out to bloggers. And this was before influencers were even a word. Uh, Lisa Lillian uh, loved it. She wrote about it. She gave it away for her uh, her, her readers and so on. And at the time, she was just Lisa Lillian. And her website was Hungry Girl. And now Hungry Girl is, you know, a major business.
1: Nationally recognized brand. Yeah. Yeah. She's
2: got books. She's got cookbooks. She's got Columns. She's got a, a, a food TV. One of those TV shows. Food Network has her TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but even back then, just by talking about these and and promoting it, uh, it led to magazine articles and so on. Because I just got in the hands of the right person. So, so ask. You want your your product in the hands of a celebrity? Ask. Celebrities are celebrities because they get paid to to do things. So maybe the fact that my background included fashion photography, which includes celebrities and well-known people, holding products, smiling with products, selling products. Um, I did ads for the launch of Monistat 7, which is, you know, at the time was brand new. Every woman knows that that's old ancient history now. Um, with models, with famous faces. Um, uh, cigarette ads with uh, Fabio, you know, with the long hair and <laughs> stuff like that. Um, just for our our uh, our program, we have Mr. Wonderful. So if you want, uh, from Shark Tank. So if you want to to get some notoriety, if you want to get someone famous, you want to get a celebrity, you want to get involved in something, always ask. Because the worst because going to happen is no and just the way you are now.
1: Yeah, I was blown away. Uh, you kind of took this approach uh, with the Canton Fair experience I mean, Annie, you wouldn't believe it. Steven just went out to the top podcasts out there. He went out, he just started contacting everyone. He was just like, yeah, let's let's talk to it. And he would tell me, oh, I contacted this person and this person. I was thinking, oh my gosh, there's no way they're going to want to talk to like little old us. But I learned from Stephen that if you don't ask, and a lot of them did want to talk to us, and a lot of them did, uh, you know, and some of them even got involved in our program, and it was so cool to see, like, oh, wow, really, all you have to do is ask, so uh, that's definitely grown some confidence in me, um, because I'm one of those kind of more shy people that's, like, I don't, I don't know if they'd ever want to you know, (laughs) talk to me about something, but, uh, but that's been a really cool thing to learn from Steven in business. So, uh, those of you out there who want to get some extra recognition for your products, go for it, get out there, ask the question, contact, you know, get some news releases going, uh, get out there and just, you know, ask the question, Google, Google, how do I get my product, you know, shown in, in, uh, you know, on on a major network, that kind of stuff. And there's a ton of great information out there. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and uh, to that point, Amy, it was kind of like when I went to go see Neil Patel, I, the part of the reason I went there in person is because it's really easy for somebody to be like, nah, you know, over email. But if you're sit, standing there in front of them, and you say, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? It's a lot harder for them to say no. Um, so that, that was, you know, and, and as Steven said, if you don't ask, don't expect I mean, you're, nobody's ever going to come to you. And <laughs> unless you're the super famous one, nobody's coming to you. It's going to be the other way around. It's going to be you having to go to them for the ask. And a lot of people who have made it are totally willing and wanting to, to pay it forward. So, um, Absolutely. definitely go out and ask.
2: Here's, here's a negotiation trick to that end. um. It's, it is. It's a lot easier for people to say no to you than yes, because yes is you're committing to something. So when you're asking somebody to do something, don't ask them a question that you want them to say yes to. Ask them a question that you want them to say no to, because that's a lot easier. You know, so, you know, if I was going to say, you know, uh, Andy, you know, would it be absolutely crazy for me to ask you to wear a dress and sing happy birthday to me? Uh,
0: um, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Well, actually, maybe, maybe, maybe it depends. It depends how many, how many uh, IPAs you buy me first.
2: There we go. (laughs) See, so now we're actually starting a negotiation here.
0: There we go. Or seriously, it's, you know,
2: Dan Harris, you know, would it be impossible for to to get you on to, uh, to to meet with our entrepreneurs and talk about protecting your, your IP and shining? No, not impossible. Let me see if I can squeeze it in. And, and he did, and he does. You know, in between the BBC and Forbes and NPR and, you know, Fox News. So uh, if you ask someone in in phrasing it like that, you know, would it be impossible to do this? Would this be, would you be crazy to do this? Um,
0: Steven, are you reaching out via email or LinkedIn or or how are you contacting these people?
2: I'm terrible at LinkedIn. Uh, I had someone convince me to upgrade my LinkedIn for the first time in years uh in my case it's uh it's usually email sometimes it's a phone call or sometimes if somebody knows somebody i can get them gotcha
1: well and you do live in seattle now right Steven? so there's uh, some good names there and some good connections to be had and uh i know a lot of times you you have these really cool uh you should tell people about these offices you're in this club right where you can like basically go to an office he always has these cool backgrounds um wherever he can go to all these offices in different cities around the country that are part of this club and uh steven i'll let you tell it but he always has these cool it, rooms he can it, is it
0: from. like regis or WeWork or something like that
2: uh so it's like regis or, or rework or galvanize or so on where those are you know um, uh hoteling spaces working spaces and no, so on uh, but those places are more geared towards small businesses that have three or five or 12 or 15 employees because they've got, you know, the water cooler and the coffee bar and the place to bring you lunch and break room and stuff like that. Um, so since my partner and I basically work out of our homes or a different place, the place that I work out of is uh, part of the club core uh, community. So uh, most major cities in the US and some around the world will have a club core private club. In my case, it's at the top floor of the tallest building in Seattle. And um, not only do I get to work there, they also have a great restaurant there and drinks and so on, Uh, but it's also got hoteling space space for me to set up my computer offices, meetings and so on. Uh, And it's less expensive than Galvanize and WeWork and such. Because they don't have to provide the break room and the coffee and the receptionist and so on, um, and also in my case, it makes it easier to have meeting with investors and uh, people that come to town and so on. So the atmosphere is is
1: perfect for that. Yeah, and you've met fact, some really cool a- people in those.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like um, a lot, a lot of of angels, a lot of VCs go there and stuff like that. Um, uh, founders of different companies and so on. I was sitting there having lunch with uh, with my attorney, and he he introduces me to the founder of Dropbox and so on. And it's like these guys are really really cool.
1: So, Stephen, let's talk about um, how do you scale your business?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. You you and you tipped me off beforehand saying you're going to ask that question, and it's interesting because um, I don't. Scale saying, okay, I've reached this point. Now I'm going to go to that point. I start right off at the beginning, knowing where I want my end game to be. So rather than thinking about it as scaling, I think about it as being milestones. Uh, so if you're starting off with a new product, Amazon is a great place just to get proof of concept. People are actually going to buy it. But Amazon's not perfect for every product. Um, a product that um, You know, carpet on your floor. That's a Amazon's a a terrible place to buy carpet for your floor. You want someone to come into your house, you want to feel the carpet, you want to see what it looks like. Uh, But for more most products, Amazon's a great place to start, but then move on from there. Uh, the big money is in retailers. So how do you get it into retailers? You scale by starting to talk to your local retailers. Are they interested in this? Would they buy it? What would they pay for it? How would they display it and so on and listen? To that From that you can move on to the same if, if you can sell it to the local gift store down the street or in the hospital or at the, the front first floor of the, the, uh, uh, the local hotel then you can sell it to other gift stores across the US So the next step is then expanding it you already have a product that the local gift store wants the local electronic store wants or the local vape shop wants. Um, You can expand it across the U.S. to all other stores that are like that. Uh, Once you have a lot of rooftops and you've got a lot of of money coming in, uh, you start just taking the individual sales and making them into processes. Your processes now are fulfillment. Your processes now are large-scale sales, and you can bring that out to to large big-box stores, small chains, big-box stores, and so on. Uh, so I always start off knowing where where do I want to be at that end game with those big box stores? What are the stores I want to be on? What do their shelves look like? What are their customers like? What are the price points that people expect? And then I bring it down backwards to each one of those steps and I use them as milestones.
1: I love that. You're having a plan from the beginning. You know what your total addressable market is. You know what part of that market you want to be able to reach and you've developed a plan to scale all the way to your percentage of your total addressable market. So uh, I love that. And when um, it
2: comes to uh, using other people's money, when it comes to having investors and so on, uh, it's a lot easier to sell the vision if you have the complete vision there. But the steps of scaling, they're still the exact same steps.
1: Right. That's really great advice. I love that. So, uh, I mean, Speaking of, of that, um, what, what advice would you give uh, our listeners, the listeners that are just getting started or those that are working hard to build their businesses even further in e-commerce?
2: Um, similar to what we said earlier, you're different. Believe in yourself. Make your brand you. What makes you unique? Use that to make your brand unique, your product unique, because the more unique your product is, the more people are going to come looking just for you.
1: Love it. Um, So what about, what kind of things do you listen to? um, Motivational podcasts, books, anything like that, that has really shaped you or that you definitely recommend other people check out?
2: Um, I'm going to look up my, uh, my phone to get an answer on some of these. Absolutely, one of them is coming to us, coming to China with us. Tim Bush. I find his podcast on the shelf now to be invaluable, filled with great information from actual buyers, from successful uh, entrepreneurs, and so on. Um, another one is uh, Alex Charfin, Charfen, C H A R F E N. If anyone hasn't uh, listened to him, he's fabulous. He takes the position as entrepreneurs we're all just a little bit different. And then runs with it, and uh, I find him very, very motivating. Um, and then on uh, Spotify, there's a there's a few different motivational podcasts that just compile all sorts of wonderful, you know, speeches, whether it comes from sports films or uh, or or uh, motivational speakers and so on, like that. And uh, I listen to a few that just are are good mashups of, of all of that particularly, you know, if you have a lot of windshield time and you can just punch it on and punch it in on the way to a meeting, it just really pumps you up.
1: Wow. I hadn't even thought about uh, listening to some of those famous motiv- motivational speeches um, on Spotify. That's a that's a new one. And that's a oh, really great thing to check out.
2: Great, and, and I have a weakness for, for sports films where the, the underdog, you know, comes out and wins it. So whether it's the speech from Hoosiers or the speech from Miracle on Ice or so on. Some of these I can repeat word for word. I just love
1: it. That is so cool. So, Stephen, what is next for you? What are you working on? Tell people how they can um, learn from you and uh, what you have going on.
2: Well, um, what next for me is always the next product. Um, and what's happening with the current product. Oh, I've got a product right now that um, we will be presenting to the True Value buyers at their annual show um, in a couple of weeks, beginning of October. So we'll have, uh, they've had 4,000 stores. Um, Hopefully we'll, we should be able to make a few hundred uh, sales to their stores and show that people are buying it and start getting some buzz going among the True Value community. and I guess the obvious thing from from that answer is to me, my products are number one. I love my brands and my products, but um, I really am enjoying so much the program that you and I do. Um, so uh, neither one of us are full time make our living from from running this program, but uh, you know, and it takes a hell of a lot of time. But for those people who do want to come along for the ride, um, we are fully committed to it, twice a year, we put in a lot of time preparing people for two months prior to the Canton Fair, and then being at the Canton Fair with them in person, uh, helping them source, helping them negotiate, understand the logistics and the back end and the the non-sexy part, which is, you know, attorneys and inspections and all of that. Uh, And um, uh, basically um, uh, helping people do what we love to do. I mean, the goal is, you know, uh, there's lots of people who do this as a sidekick, and I completely understand it. But we also take the approach of looking at this as a full-time business. That you can create a business that you can live your life from. That you can retire from. That you can give your your kids, and uh, and it's really exciting to do that. And the the, the feeling of seeing people go through this and succeed is like, there's nothing else.
1: There is no replacement for that. I know Andy feels the same way when you can help somebody and get that feedback of making a difference in their business and ultimately their life. There's, Really, no better feeling than that. So I love that we get to do that together. I'm very grateful for that, and uh, it's been a, a wild ride. So, uh, for those of you who are wanting to learn from Stephen and myself, and and wanting to learn how to, you know, find unique products, source them, negotiate, do all of those things, and uh, and get them onto retailer shelves and, you know, start on Amazon, but scale from there, uh, you know, we have the camped Fair experience. So feel free to reach out to us anytime. We would love to have you. Um, and we have one listener question. Kevin would like to know, uh, how long you typically run a product before it dies or for, uh, how, how long do you hold, um, on average before you sell your brand?
2: Two different questions so products have life particularly in the retail world so you can introduce a um, uh, I don't know an LED sneaker for a little kids um, and it's got red and blue and yellow flaps on it six months from now you better have an LED sneaker for kids that has purple pink and yellow flaps on it uh, so that they constantly have something new for customers to come into the store. So that product, the LED sneaker, may go on for two, three, four, five years, but you should have new designs. And of course, if that first one, the red, blue, and yellow one is, is popular, that can continue selling but uh, until people get bored of it. But you definitely, in the world of retail, every six months you should have some, some sort of new design out. And that also works on Amazon as well, because. These days, there are so many people in Amazon who are looking for something successful and they want to copy it. So if this is where you are and they see you and they're copying it, by the time they come to market, you need to be here. Be six steps ahead so that they can never, never catch up to you. And then the brand itself. Um, I like to target four years to be able to make an exit from the brand and sell it, but that depends on what how the products are doing, what the retailer is doing, what the economy is doing, and and so on. So that's separate from the product. So.
1: Well, thank you so much, Stephen. We really enjoyed hearing your story and uh, you know the wild ride that this business has been for you. And uh, we thank you for, for sharing with us and giving us some of your awesome marketing tricks and product selection tricks and all of that great stuff. And, uh, Andy, did you have any other questions for Stephen?
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to put them on the spot here. So, uh, first of all, Stephen, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we definitely need to have you back. I feel like we only scratched the surface, um, with, with some of the stuff that you and you know, Amy do. I know that, uh, um, you know, the, uh, the in-person negotiation, the, uh, manufacturer negotiation, things like that. Um, it's not my strong suit that's why i hired somebody in china to do it for me but um, um i know that there's we had, still
2: we can put a plug in for the book you can you pick go. up the canton fair workbook and has all the questions right in here
0: there you go all right perfect um on on that note just give me uh you know say i'm uh emailing uh or you know we chatting or whatever with a chinese manufacturer um Two, a couple of things. Uh, one, how how do I know, uh, how can I tell uh, fairly quickly, uh, number one, that they're a manufacturer um, and number two, uh, how I can get the best deal from them?
2: Okay. So the first one, are they a manufacturer or are they a trading company? I'm going to take a step backwards on that and just point out that sometimes a trading company is who you want to be dealing with. Uh, particularly if you're new, you can learn a lot from a trading company. I, the first time I did textiles i learned so much from my trading company and they usually have someone on staff who speaks better english uh however they are a middleman and they are looking to to make money so your prices are going to be a little bit higher and if you're in a particularly price sensitive market you want to try dealing with the factory uh so then the question is how do you tell the difference and that's like the old you know the if the, the riddles how do you tell if somebody's lying or not if they say they're telling you the truth um good trading companies will tell you they are a trading company good factories will tell you they are a factory bad trading companies will also say they are a factory um there are some real practical ways of finding out what is doing an audit if you have a uh, inspection company that you trust they can go and literally audit and make sure that they are a factory as well as making sure they have ISO 9001 certifications and so on. Um, Another is if you have a trusted sourcing agent, they can visit the factory and do the same thing. And of course, it's very simple for you yourself to go visit the factory. It's not, certainly from the US, it's not expensive. And lastly, if you can't do any of those, here's a trick that might work. Um, When you're talking to your, the factory rep, um, talk to them on WeChat. It is the most ubiquitous communication platform in China. It also has the ability to do live video. So ask them while you're talking to them, middle of the night, our time, daytime, their time, to walk through the factory and show you the factory on their live video. And oh man, they, that, that's, I, so,
0: that's so basic, but honestly, I've, I would have never thought of that, Stephen. That is an excellent pro tip. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, that helps a lot.
2: And then there was another question there, which
0: I—it's uh, the just a price negotiation. I know that at one point, um, um, Amy had said, and I think it was in, in a uh, question in her group or something, uh, that you had said that you know if you if you lead on that you're a wholesaler, that sometimes you'll you'll get uh, you know get uh, some some extra money off the top.
2: Yeah. So there are different tiers of uh, of what factories do work with. Um, the lowest tier. The broadest here is, uh, is the wholesaler. The wholesaler is the person that sells to retailers and distributors and so on. So the wholesaler is selling that product at the lowest price because everyone else has to build up on top of it. That also means the wholesaler has the highest price constraints. Above it is someone who's selling in their store or a distributor who's selling to stores. So they have less price constraints. And frankly, Amazon sellers have a reputation of being at the top of that. They're the people selling directly to consumers with the smallest amount of margin, sometimes losing money, and and, uh, suppliers in China know that they can charge Amazon sellers the highest amount. So um, I encouraged earlier for you to go out, talk to your local gift store, your local electronic store, whoever you're selling to. Um, When you do that, you are now becoming a wholesaler. So you might as well own it tell them, yes, I am a wholesaler. Uh, couple of, of caveats in there. If you are presenting yourself as a wholesaler, you sell to retailers and so on, you're not gonna turn around and tell, ask the factory to print your SKU on the box, and you're not gonna ask them to do DDP to an Amazon uh, warehouse. If you're gonna do DDP, and that's a whole nother discussion for another day, um, then have your freight forwarder do it. Don't tell your factory you're doing DDP. And if you're going to be doing a Finske label, then have a prep center do it after it leaves uh, the factory, um, or even when it gets to the States or so on, because you're immediately going to establish yourself as someone who is deceptive to them. And you don't want to do that. Uh, if you do have the ability to sell to retailers, do it, be a wholesaler, certainly in the discussions, own that because that's going to let them know that you're most serious about your prices.
1: And I mean, along with that, in our program, we teach the language of a wholesaler right and that's why Stephen mentions go out and talk to retailers you know learn that language because these suppliers they deal with all kinds of Amazon sellers and wholesalers and they know and they will ask you questions and as Stephen mentioned with his the Canton Fair workbook it's available on Amazon Um, but as he mentioned, there's, there's a bunch of questions that if you are a wholesaler that suppliers are going to expect you to ask. And guess what? They're in this book. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it will definitely help you in dealing with your suppliers, but that's part of what we teach in our program is really teaching you how to think bigger. As Steven mentioned, you know, he doesn't think of it as scaling. He thinks of the end goal in mind of how to, you know, I, I'm, aiming for this to be in this many big box stores and I'm going to work my way back, right? Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the mindset that you should have when you're, when you're doing that. And of course, uh, where that was mentioned it was in our Sourcing Small Masterclass because someone had listened to Stephen's podcast on negotiation that we did um, with the Asian seller, I believe, with Megla. Megla. Um, and they had learned that special trick. So they mentioned to somebody, even on Alibaba, when they were sourcing small, that they needed better margins for wholesaling and they got them. So, um, so definitely, but just be careful with that because the last thing we'd encourage you to do is be start a relationship, a business relationship in China, which is so important. It's so important, your business relationship there. We would, the last thing we would encourage you to do is start that off on a deceptive foot, right? So um, definitely there's nothing wrong with going out and talking to your local retailers and with the goal in mind of selling wholesale, right? And needing the margins to scale that way. Uh, but definitely um, learn the language and, and uh, do that before you just go in because they're going to know immediately if you just come up to a supplier when you're at Canton or whatever, and you say, Hey, you know, I, I'm a wholesaler. Uh, what kind of price can you give me? <laughs> so, you know, educate yourself on that. Check out Steven's workbook and um, kind of learn the, the questions that you need to ask and go back and listen to that uh, negotiation webinar. Cause you'll learn a ton about that subject.
2: Can I, can I give one more hint to getting a better price? Yeah, please. And that is, um, uh, Going back to deception and so on, I know that some people um, will talk to a supplier and say, well, I'm just a, a purchasing manager for a really big corporation, and uh, I, my boss needs me to get a better price or so on. Like that, um, That's really not the way to negotiate in, in China. The culture in China, like it is in Japan, is that kings negotiate with kings. So if you want to have respect that it takes to 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 talk with the decision maker and bring the price down you've got to be a respected decision-maker yourself if you are the founder of your company if you are the owner of the company then let it be known I am the owner of the company I'm the founder of the company and um, negotiate as equals you will find that there's a lot more respect and the price will come down if you are a low-level person then the owner is going to say, well, Jen, just talk to that low-level person. And be honest, um, most of your suppliers, they already know that trick. So they know that the first thing you're doing is you're coming out of the box and deceiving who you are. And that's not the first step you want to take anyway.
0: That's a great, great tip, Stephen. Thanks so much. Um, And... Uh, if you guys haven't watched it yet, I just started, but, um, my wife's not a huge documentary fan. Uh, so <laughs> I had to only get in like 20 minutes deep, but, the that Netflix special, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's, uh, factory, I
2: think it's called.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or, or U.S. China factory or us factory or just factory or whatever. Yeah. The Netflix, uh, documentary I'm only like 20 or 25 minutes in, but it's super, super interesting just to see the difference in culture. And, uh, and the the way we work compared to the way that they work and and all kinds of uh, interesting insights. So if you guys get a chance to check that out, that's super interesting. Stephen, thank you so much once again for, for being here. You gave some awesome tips. Um, As people know, though, we're going to stop the recording and we're going to do some extra innings. Um, Stephen, you're welcome to uh, stay with us if you'd like, or bow out. That's up to you. Uh, We always like to tease that so that people join us live because this is where we get all the great, a and the kind of the extra juicy stuff uh, that, that doesn't get published to the podcast or YouTube or any of that stuff. So um, as usual, people thank you so much uh, for joining us live. everyone, you know who you are. you guys are here all the time. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. Um, if you guys can, hit the subscribe button uh, rate review. we really really appreciate all of that. You guys have been super supportive. We've been getting some great feedback. Um, you know every time we read that it, it really makes us happy to know that we're helping you guys out. So thank you so much for that. Um, we're still doing super well, um, you know, in regards to other, uh, FBA podcasts, which Amy and I are very humbled by, um, you know, it shows that you guys are, are enjoying what, what, what we're, uh, what we're throwing out there. So, uh, once again, give us, uh, suggestions on any guests or any, um, gaps in, uh, in, in what we're, uh, information we're giving you guys, we'd love to hear back from you on, on what you'd like to get more of, um, and we will try our best to, to give that to you. Um and uh yeah, we'll we'll see you again next time Tuesday live if you want to join us live Tuesday, one PM Pacific time. And uh you can go to uh forward slash srt and it'll redirect you to get to the sign up for the live. Thank you again, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thank
2: you. Thank you for the invites. Thanks everyone who came out.